Welcome to the Made Possible by Podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, everyone, and thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. I am Tracy Zerden with Made Possible By, and part of our mission is to share stories of good. We say at Made Possible By that we love to make good loud. And so this is one of my favorite parts of my job that I get to go out and meet people who are making a positive impact in their community, doing unique things, and we get to share their stories with you. And today, I'm so excited for you all to get to meet the heroes, the superpower behind other options in Oklahoma City. I'll let them give you more details of what specifically that is, but other options is largely a food pantry for those who are dealing with HIV and related issues, which is a really unique situation. I'm excited for you guys to tell more details about that. But I am here with Jim Everett, which is currently the pantry manager, which is super impressive because Mr. Jim's going to... It was by default. Don't let him kid you. Okay, it was by default. (laughs) There's lots of stories here. Lots of stories. But Mr. Jim is the genius IT guy, and he only has one eye. Yeah. So that's going to be, that That to me in of itself is a super cool story. We're also here with Mary Arbuckle, who is the current executive director of Other Options. And she'll tell you more in a little bit about how her mom, Cookie, which I love. I love that name. That's so cool. Cookie started the pantry. But let's go ahead and start. Miss Mary, you, I'm going to give you a little bit of your background, and then you can give us a 90-second snapshot of you. If there's something that a woman can do pretty much mary has done it and some things that people don't think that women normally do like steer wrestling she's done that as well which i think is super cool i love the uniqueness about you so mary's oklahoma city girl she went to pc west she went to ocu on a full volley volleyball scholarship also went to central state played softball and volleyball Mm -hmm. at central state and John Brown University for more volleyball. You like volleyball? I do like volleyball. Do you like volleyball? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and now is the current executive director of Other Options. You were originally on the board of directors. You were the fundraiser coordinator, and you just kind of... Got suckered into becoming <laughs> the executive director, I might add. I was going to say moved your way up, but mm-hmm. got suckered. <laughs> I, I hear that. Yeah, like Jim, you yeah. know. Yes. He looked me in one eye, <laughs> and I just, it, he was snagged. Okay. That's the big joke. Don't look me in the eye. Don't look oh, her in the eye. Yes. You're going to get pulled in. You're going to get pulled in. Yes. Okay. I that all the time. I yeah. love it. So, uh, also, I have to give you the list of the awards that Miss Mary has won. POZ named you the top 100 people improving the lives with HIV. That's a big deal. That was 2018. 2017, you had the Community Angel Award for Team Friendly. 2017, Community Award Grateful Day Foundation. Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund. Richard May Award in 2016. Excuse me. Cathedral of Hope. Hero of Hope 2016. 2015, Grand Marshal Great Plains Rodeo. We're going to talk more about your rodeo skills because that kind of stands out a little bit among all these things. Uh, 2050 Grand Marshal for the OKC Pride. 
Men of Leather Service Award 2014, Cimarron Alliance Torch Award 2011, the Imperial Court of Oklahoma Lifetime Achievement 2010, and Association of Professionals Spirit of Philanthropy 2009. Oh, my goodness. That took me some time. Just a few things. I hate awards. I, I get it. I get it. I appreciate that about you. But it's good for people to know that because you've done cool things. Yeah. So give us, what, what would be your, we've heard all these accolades. What would be your 90-second snapshot of you? Mother Mary. That's Mother it. Mary. That's, yep. that's all you need. I've heard that about you. I've heard several people say that they, very often you were referred to as Mother Mary. Yeah, and it was kind of nice when I was younger and, you know, it was... Talk to Cookie, and now it's talk to Mother Mary. Talk to Mother Mary. But it's not a bad thing. I, yeah. I enjoy being there for the clients and, and doing the work that I've done for 31 years. And That's a long I, time. I, I mean, I applaud my mom for her tenacity to even start an organization um, like this when absolutely. you didn't even talk about no. HIV and AIDS back in the 80s. Not and at all. For her heart to just do this, take early retirement, and bring this organization to 31 years mm-hmm. is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. She definitely broke down barriers. She did. I did. Yeah, she did. I want to talk more about that for sure. Uh, I want to introduce Mr. Jim to you as well. Mr. Jim Everett, you, are you a Michigan guy then? You started in Michigan? I am originally from Michigan. Okay, so are you Michigan State fan? Are you Michigan fan? Uh, or could you care less? Not Michigan State University. Okay, Lansing. Yes, okay, yes. there you go. My husband's from Lansing, so, yes, so he would approve. Uh, Spartans, right? Yeah, I grew up in Indiana Arbor. Actually, okay, so, yeah. okay, there you go. So you started in the sheriff's department where you worked for five years as a deputy, mm-hmm. which is super manly. Um, the, then you moved to warehouse management and later operations as the IT manager for the Nail Co. Group. Am I saying that right? Yes, it's um, it's. It's changed names several times, but it's uh, the largest cosmetic distribution oh. company in, in the world, actually. Wow. Um, and I started out there doing IT as well as logistics management. Okay. So basically the conveyor systems, the scanners, all of that. Okay. So the day-to-day operations was 600 and some employees, yeah. different divisions, different departments. It kind of fits in what you're doing now? Yeah. <laughs> Less people, though. Yeah, that's and true. And he's done a little bit of everything. Yes, yes. yes. I, and then you started your own IT firm, mm-hmm. Better Business Guidance, yes. which included the BBGweb.net, PDA Tech, Wildfire Technology, and offices in five states. Yes. And over the years, you contracted with several different companies. I'll throw out some names here, which people will be very familiar with. Toys R Us. IFMC, Lazy Boy, Ford Motor Company, General Motors, Chrysler. I mean, you got some big names there. Well, and interestingly enough, um, my father actually worked for Ford Motor Company. Um, my company itself, back in the day, we were the organization that did the backup systems for Chrysler, Ford, and GM over the high-speed internet lines at the time. So if anybody remembers when the East Coast lost power. Oh, most people aren't aware of it, and I can say it publicly. These companies have headquarters in other states. They don't tell you where they are. But our company was in charge of keeping the backups. Wow. So that if a shutdown happened or something catastrophic happened at yeah. their current locations, they could up and running within 72 hours someplace else. That's a big responsibility. Mm-hmm. It is. Did wow. that for 20 years for them. Wow. Gosh. Well, give us your 90-second snapshot of you. Oh, 90-second snapshot of me. Well, I mean... Yeah, did the IT work and did that for 
almost 27 years and enjoy that type of work for one. It's a challenge. It's a brain teaser. It's everything. But having the offices in different states and different uh, technologies that came about at the time, um, it also afforded me the uh, ability to work with the phone companies like with PDA Tech. We actually did the ROM conversions, which is when your phone boots, it says that it's from a, a carrier or um, those types of logistics and the special apps they would put on them at the time. Most of that now has been taken back by the carriers. but So that was one piece of it. Um, but the nice part is, is when I did finally retire um, after the loss of my eyesight um, and retinal detachments, the employees that I had, and the nice part is, is the 260, almost 300 employees I had, I allowed the employees to buy out the company parts in the different states. Oh, that's cool. Because, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, when you have a catastrophic, um, the eye surgeries that I underwent and everything that I had to go through, you have to start depleting your savings, your 401ks, everything, just so that, you know, the medical bills that are no longer going to be covered by your insurance are covered by Social Security. Yes. Which it, it just, you know, you have these great 401ks and people don't think, uh, someday, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it takes its toll, but, you know, it's it's what the situation is. Mm-hmm. That's how the progress goes. Mm-hmm. And ironically, I'd only met Cookie a couple of times prior to um, ever volunteering or ever becoming a client um, because we shut down, I shut down the office here in Oklahoma City that um, we had and donated some furniture and stuff at the time. And um, ironically, Cookie's Thanksgiving was one of the first events I ever got involved with Mm. with a client at the time who's now deceased, who introduced me to um, Mary and Cookie um, and did Thanksgiving deliveries. That was one of the first things I did with other options back in 2008. Wow. So that was one of my first volunteering experiences. But, you know, in later years with the eye surgeries and with other options making home deliveries to me, because at that point, you know, Mm. with my diagnosis and going through the surgeries, Years later, it was determined, you know, I got to get out of the house. So as long as I had somebody transporting transporting me to other options, it was a good place for me to get out of the house, be around others, mm-hmm. uh, acclimate myself to back into society. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's a, a long point. process. So are you, I feel like IT guys are like men with trucks in that, you know, somebody's going to ask you to move and you know, somebody's going to ask you to fix their computer or hand you their phone and... Do you just roll with that? Are you cool with that? Or I, I do roll with it, um, and it's it's kind of funny because now in later years now I'm getting to the point as as I can't keep up with technology as much as I'd like to, I have to kind of to stick to certain things that I'm okay working on versus others. It's like no, I just that's I can't you know, like for instance, I won't touch Android phones. I'm just not an Android person. Okay, and he won't touch my Mac. No. Nope. Okay, so no. you won't do Macs. I won't do Macs, but so you I, won't do Android phones. So no, what so kind of I phone stick do to you? a Windows platform for the most part, or Windows servers. Or but what kind of phone do you use? I actually have a Windows phone. Okay. And an iPhone. Oh, you have both. Yes, I do. He's important. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> One's the word phone, let's be honest with it. Okay. Because we put a wonderful phone system in that did, has not let mm-hmm. us down, which we've had in, what, a year and something now? Okay. And over 10,000 calls have come through it without Oh, phone. my goodness. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yes. Yeah, I, technology, we need it. We need it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Miss Mary, tell us about how other options started. You talked a little bit about your mom, Cookie. G- give, can you give us some more details of what that looked like? Well, Cookie worked at what is now OU Medical Center. Okay. And she was a social worker. 
and when hiv first started my mom was always given the problem children or people that nobody else wanted to deal with so guess who they center people living with hiv that have been newly diagnosed and back then of course you know they were being left in hallways they were being left in rooms nobody wanted to go in touch them be in a room with them and so she just it it just broke her heart and so she would sit with these clients at the hospital and try to get them on social security but it seemed like just when she was starting to they died and you know in the 80s it it was a death sentence literally a death sentence and um, most of them were gone in three to six months so she never got them on social security Um, and at a point the governor at the time decided he wanted to do an AIDS task force and so he had talked to my mom Cookie and said can you put like just some kind of pamphlet together or a little booklet that we could give to these people that have HIV so that they could figure out where they're going what they need to do and if you ever met my mom she never did things small okay so what was supposed to be just a little pamphlet ended up being a booklet for the first edition. And then by the second edition, it was a book. Um, and she was actually very known around the United States because of this book called AIDS for HIV AIDS. It was a national book, but there was also a part just made for Oklahoma. Okay. Um, and she was one of the founding board members of what is called the WINS House, or AIDS Support Program. So she actually, for the very first book, was going through ASP. Um, And when she decided she didn't want to do the house, that she wanted to just do Social Security, she broke off of ASP and started other options. So the Wins House or ASP started in 87, 88, and then other options started 88, 89. Um, and it's just the beginning of what she wanted to do. Um, but then other organizations started coming in and doing the Social Security and doing the case management. So she decided, okay, I'll do that part-time, but let's go into HIV testing and counseling. And so we did that for quite a few years. And then Other organizations started doing that, and in 1998, we founded Friends Food Pantry, and that has become our stronghold of what we do in the Oklahoma community. Mm. Um, So that's going on 21 years. Other options is 31 years, and uh, this COVID's not going to stop us. One thing that I would point out, Mm -hmm. though, is just recently putting that letter up there where your mom came up with the naming for the Wins House. Um, we found one of the original, Mary has a great archive of a lot of her mom's stuff. So we pulled the original letter, we've scanned it, put it online, plus Mary was nice enough to translate it for me because I couldn't could read her mom's handwriting. <laughs> but we're starting to put the historical landmark, things like that, online for our, mm-hmm. for our clients to be aware of and others to be aware of. You know, this is the history in which we come from and why this is important. Mm-hmm. I, I, I so appreciate her vision. Because in the 80s, it was very taboo. You mentioned that, to even talk about that. There was, people didn't understand. You know, Princess Diana really made a lot large headway in just being there for people and touching people and 
blowing people's minds and just loving that, loving them. Mm-hmm. So I love that she, even when somebody started, she started, okay, let's do this by giving, helping them get Social Security. Well, somebody else came in and did that. Well, she didn't just stop. Mm-mm. She said, okay, let's do canceling. Somebody else came and did that. So, okay, what else needs? To, she looked for a need, mm-hmm. and she met it. Yeah, and she didn't want to replicate everybody else's. Yeah, there was, you know, she had something that she did here that somebody else did, but she wanted to make sure that every aspect was done for people living with HIV because Lord knows that, I mean, they would die so quickly or they were shunned or their parents, when they were in the hospital, would go and clean out their house. Oh, yeah, that happened a lot. Back in the like day. Like, take their things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because? Because they could. Because they were in the hospital, and they thought they were going to die. So they closed down the house and took everything and, you know. Interesting. And especially with people newly diagnosed. I mean, mm-hmm. anybody that's recently diagnosed, and I still see this today, is you go through that initial shock wave mm-hmm. of, oh, I've been diagnosed with this. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, right out of the gate, you're not going to know exactly how bad is that diagnosis, what does this truly mean. I mean, we have better testing tools now and have a better landscape of that. But it's still that initial shock. You're kind of in a fog, and you're just walking, and you're relying on the people around you. And I think that was the biggest, probably the biggest step that your mother helped in the community was giving these people basically a footprint to follow Mm. of getting them started down a path. Mm -hmm. And we still see that today, and that's one of the unique aspects of Other Options as an organization. Mm-hmm. And a champion. Mm-hmm. Someone to stand up for them and love them. And, and we do. We give them hope. And, and Jim has become that patient advocate. Mm. And, you know, that's something I can't do. I'm, I'm HIV negative. My mom was HIV negative. But for whatever reason, we were drawn into doing this service and I still remember the first time I ever gave a positive. And it was back when you're supposed to say, you need to get your stuff together because you're going to die. But instead, I took another road and I said, what is different today that was here yesterday that you will look forward to tomorrow? I said, you're still the same person. Mm -hmm. You just have to watch a few things. Mm -hmm. But... Make sure that you get your stuff together, but you still have a long life if you keep that attitude and Mm -hmm. keep going, and and he's still alive. My Mm -hmm. very first positive is still alive today, Mm -hmm. and actually very healthy, Um, and it's amazing, and he talks about it all the time, and he's one of those people, besides telling Jim's story, I get to tell Tony's story, Mm -hmm. and those are two of the most impactful stories that have touched me um, that I like to talk about because you are still the same person. And I never understood why a parent would walk away from their mm-hmm. child and just say no mm-hmm. because they're still that same person mm-hmm. and people don't get that. Yeah, I think there's so. a lot of fear, a lot of fear, and people make bad choices when they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a perfect segue to tell us your story, Mr. Jim. <laughs> there you go, Miss Mary. She, did, she teed you up right there. There we go. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give it in the brief. Um, basically, when I got into Oklahoma and had to kind of take over the office and doing things here, um, I had made a trip to Stillwater, was driving back. Um, there was a semi-trailer that pushed a minivan off into the 
Well, the cul-de-sac is what I call it in the center median. Vehicle rolled over. Mother and her three children. Um, mother did not have her seatbelt on, but luckily the children were all buckled in and in their seat, car seats. The mother went through the windshield. Mm-hmm. Um, stopped my vehicle, and I had been trained in CPR, so I performed CPR. Um, did my best on her. We got her revived. Um, there was no pulse, no respirations. Lost her again. Um, it took a little while before EMS got on site because we we're way up there. I don't even know the junction area where you cut off to Stillwater, but on I-35. Mm-hmm. And um, they flew her out um, on one of the helicopters. And the following day, I had the uh, what I call the Oklahoma City Police or OSBI showed up to take me to the health department to let me know that the individual I helped was HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And the, the surprising part for me was, is, you know, everybody did the, well, you were trained. You should have had protection. Well, who has protection in their, every vehicle? You just don't. They were coming down on you? Yeah, they really were. Uh-huh. They, you know, so at the time, it was kind of one of those of, really? That's unfortunate. Yeah. But went to the health department, obviously tested negative. And it took a little while before the positive test came back, and I knew I was positive before I went in for the final meeting because I went and did a, a test through another organization. Um, but it, the test came up positive, and, um, you know, they did the, the standard testing. But the real ironing of all this is, you know, of course, everybody was concerned about the HIV, and once I tested positive, they were kind of like, oh, here's your resources. Have a nice day. But unfortunately, a syphilis diagnosis wasn't caught. So eight months later, I'm in the hospital with my retinas detaching, and it took seven emergency room visits to several hospitals to determine, and it was Dean McGee actually in the end that caught it and went, no, you have syphilis, and we've got to put you in the hospital. Mm. Was there for 20 days, Mm. you know, waiting, and the retinas were still detaching. And, you know, Dean McGee was very, you know, you talk about those calming, soothing situations. Dean McGee was one of them that did the note, we'll get you right into surgery. On the 20th day, I was discharged, went home, was at my place overnight, had to be report for surgery at 6 o'clock in the morning. That started the journey of 14 different eye surgeries and oh about four and a half years of, oh, yeah. I have detached retinas. I have fake artificial implants. I have plugs in both. I can't even cry anymore. It oh. hurts to cry. They have tear duct plugs in upper and lower in both eyes. Oh. No vision in the right eye and in 20, 30, 200 in the left. And it took three years uh, to get Social Security approved, believe it or not. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Well, just because of a you know typo on one of the reports. but And that's kind of how it goes. But it's it made me realize in a lot of different realms of, I think, the most cherished moment that I have of going through all of it was going into the Social Security office. And uh, it was a really nice lady there that literally did the Look, you've been paying your taxes and everything for since you were 14. You know, we have you on the paperwork. And she goes, you should not be embarrassed to be here. She goes, you cannot collect back everything you've paid in unless you live to be like 120-some years old or 130. I'm like, okay, I feel a little better. He just has to outlive me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I, and I'm trying. I'm trying not to off myself here. I mean, I walk into walls and face plant on the floors all the time. Oh, bless you. Which, Mary's a great advocate for getting me pain meds when we go to hospital. <laughs> that, was, that was so funny. That's a story for a different day. But um, ironically, the, the young lady survived, um, and so did her children. Um, I, and last year, not this last year, but the year before, um, I got to meet her before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, she wanted to, of course, thank me and meet the kids. And the kids wanted to meet me, which I was okay with. 
Um, she's still not out publicly about her diagnosis, but I speak about this, uh, have a couple different occasions, at, whether it's a college or whatever, um, if sororities, fraternities, I've done public speaking there. The one that I would mention, too, is we had the students that came in from OSU, the 51 students that came through from the architectural school. And it touches me to be able to tell them what I went through. The fact that, you know, after all of this, yes, I have very low vision, poor vision, but you can still make a difference in the world. You can still make a change in what you do day to day and how you view that. Sometimes it has to go blind to have a better view of the world. Oh, my gosh. There's, that's just, that's my theme for the rest of my life, I think. Say that again. Now I've already forgotten. Sometimes you have have to to go blind blind to have better vision. To have a better view of the world. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Okay. So talk to me about your road, because very often something like this would happen to someone, and it's natural to become bitter. It would be natural to be angry. Did you go through those phases? You know, ironically, the psychiatrists, the doctors, because I was cooped up in the hospital, I was cooped up doing the surgeries. I mean, they would do one surgery. I'd be back two, three days later. Um, I have a great friend, Tom, who made sure I made all my appointments. I mean, I would literally go two, three weeks, and I'd be in Dean McGee's building every other day or on the surgical table again, you know. And I can't speak highly enough about them. But the bitterness and stuff didn't set in for me, ironically. And I I don't know why. I can't really explain it. But it made me take a different view. I mean, the only thing that I can say is at that point, I was 38 years old, 39, and thinking to myself, I've made it this far without catching HIV. Being a man that had been married, I have two stepdaughters, and I'm a gay man, you know, Mm -hmm. you would think, you know, I, I would have been dumb enough or, you know, contracted it. But that was the, I think, the, the shining emerald of all of it was I hadn't until this point, and it was something helping somebody else. Mm-hmm. Very random. It, right, very random. So it brings, to, it brings to light that this isn't something that everybody, you know, yes, it's a sexually transmitted disease, but let's be honest. You know, this is something that can happen in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. And you can't fear it. Fearing things, you know, and that you don't understand is just setting yourself up for more failures. So understand it. But I will say that, you know, moving forward now for me, and especially being at other options, A, I'm out of my house. You know, I get out every day. I have people that transport me, make sure I can do what I like to do. Um, And it gets me in contact with those people that need those services, you know, or need somebody to be there to be that shoulder. I need to hear your story. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you know, you can head them off of the path of, you know, the directions in some cases of where they're going or where they think they, you know, need to be and where they don't need to be. It just depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. So, gosh, I just think the fact that you didn't go bitter, that you didn't go angry, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know if you had your moments at all. That's a huge thing. But I love the fact that you were connected with Cookie and other options just through IT before all this happened. Mm-hmm. And then they became your lifeline. Oh, yeah. It actually did. And, and, you know, and I can tell you from the corporate world of things, you know, for me, and I'm trying to think of the year, but I can't. Um, I attended the HRC benefits up in Detroit, and this was the year that um, Ellen's mother came and spoke. And I can't remember the year. HRC, just for our listeners, tell us. Oh, a human rights campaign. Okay, and Ellen being Ellen DeGeneres. Yes, and basically it was when they were still fighting for the marriage rights in Hawaii way back in the day. At the time, I was a federal club member, 
which is a minimum of a $15,000 donation. Mm. But here's the thing to that, and I'm going to tell you this from the corporate side of things. One of the things I adore about other options is we don't get those state and federal dollars. So for us, we rely on those contributions. And then the other side of it that I look at is how are those contributions spent? It's very wise over there. It's very smart. It's, it's very, it's, I would almost say a penny doesn't go to waste. We really don't waste anything. You know, the environment of the facility and the operations of the volunteers and the staff is just remarkable. And in this day and age, you know, it's one of those, I don't want people not to give or contribute. Mm -hmm. But it's also one of those things of you go, okay, is it spent well? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, from corporate, you know, in the past, you know, you see all these advertisements and donate this, donate that. It's not that they're not worthwhile organizations, but, you know, when 70 or 60% of your dollar is only going to the whatever versus administration fees, I, I don't even know what our calculation is, and but I will, 80 cents of every dollar goes back yeah. into the nice. organization. Yeah. Nice. And then you figure on top of that that it's all volunteer-driven. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest statements that I started using with other options when I took the role of pantry manager was that not only am I a volunteer, but I'm a client. And we most of our staff that are volunteers are clients. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's a good force, workforce of getting them out of, you know, just being at home, mm-hmm. just doing, you know, whatever. Well, and they believe in the vision because mm-hmm. they're benefiting. Exactly. Uh, thank you for sharing your story, Mr. Jim. That's a, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more to it. But yeah. thank you for sharing that and for being willing to share that with other people. Like you said, the young people that come in. Um, thankfully, the kids these days, there's a lot more AIDS education, so they know a lot more. Actually, there's less. Really? Yes. What? Well, Wow. Yeah. Why? Well, we're here, the American Red Cross is closing here. Hmm. American Red Cross, for many years, was the only organization that was going out to the schools. Huh. I was one of their speakers. My sister was one of their speakers. Um, we haven't had HIV AIDS education in oh, three can't. years. Yeah. Really? Um, before that, it was still a struggle to get into the schools. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a very lack Okay, well... And actually, I think we've had a couple Christmases, and I mentioned that last year. It wasn't last Christmas, but the year before, (coughs) where we had so many newly diagnosed just before Christmas that it was just remarkable. Under 25. Under the age of 25. And I've been sitting with some 20- and 21-year-olds recently, and it's the education is just not there. Wow. And it's not... And the worst part about it is, is I remember when my diagnosis happened... And when Mark gave me the diagnosis, and Mark was like, you're taking this the calmest that anybody have ever done. And still to this day, when I became a tester uh, about a year ago, mm-hmm. um, he's like, you're still today the most calm person I've ever mm-hmm. seen get a diagnosis. But right now, I still have young men and women that I talk to on a regular basis that show up at our pantry that are just recently diagnosed, that are they're lost. They literally think they've got a death sentence now. They're literally thinking about dropping out of school. They're literally thinking they need to just stop everything they're doing. It's over. Wow. Because and they hit the, rock they, bottoms. They hit rock bottoms. Yes. And it starts the whole on, onslaught of, you know, well, I'm not going to take my mental health meds or I'm going to start street drugs. I mean, it's a whole combination that people don't realize that it snowballs wow. into. And are you able to step into that? I mean, to some degree, I mean, I know you can't be everywhere, but... 
Well, we do a lot up at that pantry, let me tell you. Wow. Well, maybe and COVID has, you know, stopped, stopped some of it, it, but it also has helped us um, be able to talk a lot more to the case managers, and they call us and say, hey, this is what's going on. We're going to need some extra help of just, you know, Zoom calls or calls. And, you know, so COVID has changed a lot, but it hasn't, um, you know, we're seeing a lot more positives right now. Wow. An enormous amount. Wow. And it's all the young generation because. Wow. Hmm. Okay, listeners, we're putting it out to you. If you have connections with getting uh, speakers into schools or to organizations, Whoever you have, please reach out to Mary and Jim at Other Options. They are more than willing to come share, to educate, because we need to stop this growing population. That's just not, that that really surprises me. Yeah, and I hated seeing the HIV AIDS um, part of American Red Cross close down. Mm -hmm. um, Because for me, that just scares me. Because we're not getting into these schools and talking to these kids. And... You know, now we're all Zoom. It should half be easier. In school, half are out. Yeah. We don't know. You know, it's 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 getting a little out of control. It is. Okay. Well, I will say the one upside, though, is an upside in my opinion is that some of these people that are getting tested and finding out that they're positive are going in to get on prep, and that's how they're finding out is when that initial testing is taking place. So it's what is prep. Oh, well, thank you for it. asking. I was I about to ask that. Prep. Yes. Well, there's PEP and PrEP, mm-hmm. which okay. is before exposure and after exposure. Okay. And right now, um, we have an organization called ASP that is really trying to get PrEP out, which is free exposure. Um, we're trying to get to the gay young men because if you can protect yourself by taking this pill and still. We push condoms because yeah. we're also number one in syphilis, gonorrhea. So we being Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Sorry, excuse me, Oklahoma. That's okay. Oh okay. yeah, we're, we're number one. Yeah. Those are number ones we don't want. No, and so we're trying to do the prep for HIV, but we're also trying to teach them you got to still use a condom because. And then I usually call Jim and say, Hey Jim, what happens when you don't use a condom? And somebody has a opportunistic, you know, like syphilis, like gonorrhea, you know, it could go undetected. And we had a client that started going blind because he was not willing to go get the syphilis checked, Mm -hmm. even though he knew I probably have it. Yeah, because the number one aspect there, and we didn't learn this until 2012, um, which was way past my diagnosis, was that if if you've contracted HIV and you have syphilis in conjunction with it, it speeds up the syphilis by the factor of two, and as well as HIV. So the damage of, I'm not going to go into the technical terms, but let's just say (laughs) the neurological side or tertiary of syphilis, instead of it taking a year to onset, can happen in six months. Wow. And that was where, when I was in the hospital, that was one of the scariest factors as you're sitting there, and they're going, and the health department individual at the time was arguing with me, going, no, you've had this longer than a year. I'm like, no, there's no way. Um, but what they didn't know back then is it's doubled and tripled its speed. Wow. So, and it's important that, you know, look, I, I think PrEP is great, and I encourage PrEP, especially when we have a client that's HIV and their partner is not. Um, but also protect yourself with the STDs with a condom and getting people to understand that. 
But by all means, yes, I want as many people to get on PrEP as, as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the generation that will make the stop mm-hmm. of the spread of HIV. Mm-hmm. It's just up to them to make the choice to, to and, take action. And right now it's going up, so we want it to go yes. in a different direction. And the nice thing about getting on PrEP, it's free. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have an organization called ASP that will get you tested will get uh, because you have to go through a blood testing. And then give you the pill every month, free. Let's no say that charge. one more time. Free. free. <laughs> okay. You know, all of it's free. Okay. And, and anonymous. That's the other thing that's great. Okay. You know, you can go and get the testing and get the everything. And, and that, all right, so you got the meds. Okay. So where do they go to do this? Do you all? Um, we can direct them. ASP okay. Cares. Mm-hmm. It's a, a new organization. It's been here a couple of years. And... Um, Cher Golding, who is actually my board president, mm-hmm. um, runs it here in Oklahoma. Okay. So you said there's two aspects. There's the before and after. What It was the prep, prep and the... It is for the medical side. Okay. So if they are maybe a finger stick or they had blood splat, they can also get, and it's the post-exposure, but okay. it's the same it's the same thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's free. Yes, and it's free. And that's just a 20, what is it, 28-day regimen now yeah. that they're doing? Yeah, yeah they don't okay. have to do it. Yeah. But the pe- prep is until... Until you, you decide, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's a great resource to know. Mm-hmm. Give us your... I'm going to ask you this about 12 times. Your website. Otheroptionsokc.org. And phone number? 405 605 8020. There you go. And you'll get Mr. Jim because he's important to have that phone, right? Is mm-hmm. that the phone? Yeah. <laughs> he picks it up usually on the first, second ring, and then I'm picking up going, hello. 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 <laughs> it, it doesn't work. So, Mary, tell us how you transitioned to becoming the director of other options. Um, well, I never transitioned. I got suckered into <laughs> I was trying to use a softer yeah. word. <laughs> I was doing the interim director, and, and they were putting out and newspapers and stuff and and interviewing and finally our board president just said look Mary we know who we want you're Cookie's daughter you're you're who you are you need to just take it over and I went okay and so in 2009 I became the executive director and um my mother passed away in 2010, and she said, Mary, my only bucket wish that I didn't get is other options to have a home. That, that's all I ask. I, want, I don't want you to rent a building. I don't want you, in, I want you to have a home where you guys can always be and you don't have to struggle. And so I did. I found our home, and we're at um, 51st in North Portland. And we've been there since 2011. Um, and we're able to do everything there, and it's it's wonderful. And you know, we've just been very blessed to be able to to get that building, and um, it gives me lots of rooms to hoard in because that that would be Mother Mary and hoarder. <laughs> we uh, we need to combine those somehow. Yeah. Hoarding Mother Mary. (laughs) (laughs) But because we always have lots of different events and bingo and all that, I tend to hoard. I have like four rooms of stuff. But 
you know, it, when you're trying to stay grassroots, you're starting, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also called the fundraising queen. I'm, you know, I have our big fundraisers, the fashion show, bar wars, um, and then we have the little things like bingo, and then people do, you know, food drives for us. But, you know, staying grassroots, you, you got to learn to yes, um, be creative. Yeah. Tell us about the fashion show and the bar wars. Tell us about those. Um, fashion show, uh, it, of course, this COVID year, we had to um, postpone it. But um, we've had Jonathan Kane, who was the runner-up, I believe, of um, Project Runway. And he's coming back next year. Um, Lux Bentley um, is going to be come back. He did it for two years, and, and he needed to get some things together, and now he's excited about doing it again. We've had Alistella Thomas-Kelsey, um, who is from Manila, and she did the show before. Um, we've had Armando uh, Ortiz, who is, um, he owns Creative Studio, um, Renee Hilton, uh, so it's a full-on fashion Moen. show. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a full-on fashion show. We usually have two to three people come in. Um, Nicole Moen's year was this year, but she's looking forward to doing it next year. Um, she's an amazing artist, and she creates um, bustier ceramics or different things out of ceramics, and that's part of her gig, and she's wonderful and so we're looking forward to next year um bar wars we um it's a uh, all the different bars we invite to come and do their signature cocktail uh-huh. and people get to taste it and like last year was bar wars game on they got to pick a board game um and then uh this year was silver screen but we're going to be doing that next year. Uh, we also did um, theater, where they could pick a different um, theater, theater show, show yeah. and it was wonderful. Okay. okay. Yeah, it was great. Okay. So you have been very creative mm-hmm. in fundraising. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So what would you tell your then self when you became the director? Now, looking back now, because we have a lot of startups that follow us, and being a startup is scary, you know, and, and things were going for you, but it was still your, not, not like you were new to it. You'd been a part of it your whole life, but becoming the director, what was that? Um, you know, I've always surrounded myself. In fact, I tried to teach my mom, surround yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people that care. My board of directors or my advisory board, it's not about... It's about the money, but it's not about the money. And when you can get a good group of people that care about each other and have the same direction, the money will fall into place. And that's the way I look at my board and my advisory board. It's the connection that they have of why we're doing this. Um, One young lady that's on my board has been on for four years. Her uncle... It has AIDS and lives in San Francisco. And she met me when Ryan White's mother came here to speak at Oklahoma AIDS Care Fund. And it was like this instant connection of, I just have to be a part of this organization. And she's been amazing. Um, I had another gentleman when my mom was alive actually call me and say, hey, can you see a friend of mine? He's got some weird stuff on him and he brought him in and of course 
it was uh, Kappa C sarcoma or KS. It was the, you know, what they called the um, HIV lesions. And, you know, I was like, okay, that's KS or Kappa C's, and Mm -hmm. and he needs to get it together. Mm -hmm. And I went around the back door and found a way to get him into the doctors the next day. You know, and he lived another year, and we gave him that by him coming in, and mm-hmm. and this gentleman that brought him became my board president mm-hmm. because of the caring. Mm-hmm. And you know, none of us have a lot of money, but we care, and we react with that by doing the fundraisers mm-hmm. that we do. That makes all the difference when it's an organization that puts people first. Mm-hmm. More people want to be a part of that. And that's the really cool thing, is they do. And, uh, you know, except for maybe board president, because that is the hard thing. That is a hard but, thing. But, um, you know, Cher has been great. Um, David Rackley was our board president. Chris Merlin, Robert Painter. Um, and those are people that have been in the community for a long time. And mm-hmm. they, they're they my godsend. And mm-hmm. thank God for them. Oh, that's awesome. So, Mr. Jim, tell us about being the pantry director. How many people do you all help at weekly? Or how do you, do you gauge it weekly, monthly? How do you do that? Well, our number, we can gather numbers statistically from anything, you know. Um, but it, right now, because of COVID, the fluctuations are pretty, it's sporadic at, at best. Um, we could have weeks as high as what I would classify, you know, two, three hundred shoppers and some wow. weeks four to five hundred. But what's important to note about that is those numbers are a shopping number. That one number may equate to two adults and a child or maybe one adult and a child or a single parent or could be a family of six or 12. It doesn't, you know, so it's hard to gauge that. It's kind of like with our Thanksgiving coming up, um, this year being a little bit different than us doing the boxes Mm -hmm. instead of the meals being cooked and delivered. Um, You know, we're anticipating anywhere between 300 to 350 boxes to be made. But that number is serving 1,200 to 1,500 people. Easily. Easily. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the number is just that. It's a number. And sometimes we have to take that number away and look at the, the individual served or that aspect. And we calculate those numbers up too. But it's also one of those that takes away the, the personalized side of it, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, Other Options does a lot of that right now with interaction with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, it was something, I can't, I can't remember how I quoted it to you, Mary, years ago about the fact that I wanted the pantry to be more interactive with the clients. Don't just give them food. You've got to give them more than that in mm-hmm. the sense that, you know, get them out of their homes. Mm-hmm. You, know, that, you know, it's like in my case, I needed to get out of my home because what good am I if I'm just taking medications and staying at home mm-hmm. and food's being delivered to me every week? No, I got to get out. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it shows that they have value and that they yes. can give back, that they can do more than just sit on the couch because, you know, we need a purpose. And we encourage a lot of them, and I have numerous times about coming in and volunteering. And that's the other thing that I will tell you is that the volunteerism at other options has changed dramatically over the last, you know, five years, truthfully, in my opinion, of how the people that are there, how they interact with each other, how the functionality of the day-to-day operations they're like little soldiers who just set free, and they go out, and they know what to do. And it's great to watch. It really is. Mm-hmm. So when someone comes, do they drive around back? I know COVID's had to change everything. They can't mm-hmm. come in and shop now. Correct. But they pick up the boxes around back, mm-hmm. and that happens from certain times during the day? or 
it's twice a week. We do it on Saturdays from 10 to noon and on Mondays from 4 to 6. And then we have the people that between 1 and 3 that are call-in and scheduled. These are people that live out of town or driving into town because we service the whole state. Mm. So they're driving in from Duncan, Tulsa, wherever. And we schedule an appointment for them between 1 and 3, and they can come in and pick up usually a month's worth of food. Or, you know, we talk to them a little bit now and go, okay, what do you have for storage capacity? And are you coming back in town in a couple weeks? But we make sure that they've got doctor's appointments they're attending mm-hmm. and that they're going to them. And mm-hmm. that's the other thing that's great is, is mm-hmm. other options, in my opinion, we've grown from just being a food distribution to a caring organization and following the clients and helping the clients and making sure they stay in care because that staying in care is what's going to be the end result mm-hmm. of them being a healthy, mm-hmm. happy individual. It's not just feeding. It's exactly. the whole individual taking exactly. care of Exactly. It's the whole them. person. Oh, I love that. So you mentioned Thanksgiving. Mary, tell us a little bit about Cookies Thanksgiving and how that started. Um, I had a friend that um, he didn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving, so he went to a bar to have a drink. And a gentleman was sitting next to him that was HIV positive, and he got to know him. And he made mention that he had no place to go for Thanksgiving. Well, this gentleman named Scotty Arani said, that's what I need to do. I need to start a Thanksgiving tradition of feeding people um, with HIV and AIDS. And he talked to another gem, uh, gentleman named Jim, and he said, well, why don't you call Cookie? Cookie will let you do it. And sure enough, um, they connected, and we started Cookie's Thanksgiving, and I think it's the 21st year. This is the 21st wow. year. Yeah. And it started out, you have 15 meals to 100 meals to feeding a 1,000. And that's kind of where we have started. It's feed a 1,000, and I think this has been going on for four years now. Wow. Um, If we have any leftovers, we go and take them to the homeless camps because we want to feed as many as we can. So we prioritize our clients, and then afterwards, what is left over, we bring to some of the group homes and... Go find some other people to feed too. Find the homeless people on the streets. Hmm. That's usually that's what my Thanksgivings have become, in which I'm. It's amazing. You go. I mean, I hang out at other options, make sure everybody gets their deliveries and everything goes smoothly for the day. I'm there to answer the phones and handle all that. But after that, me and my friend Tom, we actually drive around with the leftover meals and hit the people under the bridges, hit the people you know on the streets, and it's amazing the people that you'll encounter, whether they're vets or whatever it is. But it's Thanksgiving Day. So why should they be left out? Absolutely. But it, it, So it changes your perspective on the holiday, which mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. So tell us, Jim, you were talking earlier about the cost and how people could help with Thanksgiving. Well, this year, um, because of the fact that the situation's a little different with COVID and us making boxes, we're basically making boxes that are complete kits we have with recipe cards are going to be inserted um, and Options for them to make the Thanksgiving dinner the way they want. The turkey's going to come pre-cooked, and so is the ham and uh, the pies and so on and so forth. But the actual meal, how, how you want to make your green beans. Do you want to make green bean casserole? Do you want to make almond green beans? Do you, yeah, the options are endless for you. The choice is yours. So you're going to be given the basics, and out of those basics, you can make up whatever you want. If you want to follow one of the recipe cards, you can. If not, go off script. It's your call. But there'll be three different boxes. But the average cost per, per individual is $7.60, give or take. Um, and 
it's one of those that for us right now, we've got multiple ways of doing the donations. Just hit the cookies Thanksgiving on our website, which again is other options, okc.org. Um, just click on that. Choose a donation amount if you want. If not, there is an Amazon wish list there, which we've got products that we still need desperately to get into these kits. And like I said, we're looking at right now about 300 to 350 kits we have to put together. And I've already got the Army lined up to put those, put those kits together. We have a volunteer sign-up on our website as well. And it's not just a sign-up for Cookies Thanksgiving. It's also for pantry. But we keep it limited there with the COVID thing. But uh, we've also got, we interact with Oklahoma's Community Service Divisions and other counties as well. So, I mean, it's a mix of people that, you know, in this time of uncertainty where people feel like they don't belong to something, it's one of those that it's nice to reel, reel people in and give them a sense of purpose, give them a sense of belonging, mm-hmm. and it helps. Wow. So I want to reiterate, $7.60 will feed one individual. Um, the different boxes are different sizes determined on the size of the families. Mm-hmm. And but they can also go to the wish list I got on there a while ago and looked at the Amazon wish. List. That's fun. It's kind of like Christmas shopping, you know, a yeah. little bit. It's fun that you could go. I'm going to give a bunch of green beans or you know whatever it is that you want to do. But pe- could people sign up to volunteer still? Do you still need volunteers we for do Thanksgiving? Need some, some volunteers um, for driving this year. We've got um, our people that are going to get cooked meals. Are the people that are bed faster? They're they're stuck in their homes. Mm-hmm. Or the people that have been bound to using just bus transportation. They don't have other reliable transportation. So getting the kids to them is a virtual impossibility to some degree. Mm-hmm. So we're going to let them stay home, and they're going to get their meals cooked and delivered. We've got a good majority of del- uh, delivery drivers signed up, but we can still there are some still open slots. Um, and they can just go to our website and do that. And we do ask that there is a HIPAA compliance form on there that you can print out and fill out and bring in with you. Also, a place to where you can upload the front side of your driver's license. We need to have that on file with the HIPAA form. So all of that stuff is built into the website, and it's securely done, so you don't have to worry about that. And that information is all done in one shot. So when you come to volunteer, you're just coming to volunteer. So the IT master has got mm-hmm. it all set and ready to roll. <laughs> yes, I do. That's awesome. So $7.60, you can do the... Amazon shopping kit to help somebody for Thanksgiving this year to help a family. And the website, of course, is other options with an S, OKC.org. Options, not just yes. an option. That's the .org that there you user go. trips everybody. They, mm-hmm. .org, not .com, .org. Yeah, .org is the nonprofit sector. Okay. So, Mary, tell me, what's your vision? If you could dream one thing or many things, I won't limit you to one, to other options, what would you love to see happen? You know, I don't know that there really is that we do such amazing work and we get such backing from so many people. I don't know that I would have a vision. Of course, you know, a brand new building, but, you know, we make do with what we have. And just giving us the little bit that we ask just to keep us going. I don't need a million dollars in the bank. I just need enough to keep us going every day Mm -hmm. and that's what's important to me Mm -hmm. um you know i don't take a pay raise because that's important to me i just want to make sure that this organization continues running and that's my vision is to be able to bring it forward Mm -hmm. and um you know and i already told jim who is my work husband um (laughs) if he dies i die or i die he dies we quit together 
<laughs> but, you know, I've made that promise to the clients that I will remain as long as my health stays mm. good. And, you know, that's my vision. That's my vision of always keeping the doors open to make sure that these people have food on the table. Mm. Well, I appreciate your sacrificial living because that's what it is. I appreciate that. Jim, do you have a vision? Actually, you know, mine is kind of just a continuing on as, as we are in the, the growth of being in that in the community and the interaction with other organizations. And, it, it, and we, Mary and I talk very every once in a while we talk, but the ironic part here is the work husband quote, most people don't get it. And I'm as Uber driver. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, we've had a lot of clients and volunteers that have come in over time in the last, uh, well, gosh, couple of years. Um, we kind of have this little banter playing thing, you know, where it's, you know, the mom and dad thing. And there are some people that run and hide. It's like, oh, God, mom and dad's mad, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but the ironic part at the end of the day, I mean, I've been in the corporate working world, okay, for 20-some years. I, it's that whole thing of we don't go away mad. We don't go away with the, the attitude of, oh, that just made me mad. It's the, it takes us a moment to reel back and go, okay, he means well or she means well or whatever. You got to look at it and realize, you know, and Mary was the one that taught me this. In the corporate world, you can't deal with people as they're getting a paycheck. They're volunteers. That's a different environment to work in it for me. It is very different. And, but I love the fact that the organization continues to grow, expand and in its community. And I would say the other thing is the, the respect that we're getting from other organizations about our dealings with HIV and our clients, how we're handling them and the compassion that we have. Mm -hmm. And the fact that our volunteers interact in, like I said, I've had employees and it's just one of those things where you, our volunteers interact mm -hmm. so much and make sure the care and compassion for each other is just mm -hmm. unbelievable. Mm -hmm. That I enjoy and I continue, I hope it continues to grow. Mm. Well, it's very inspiring to me. Just, I've been on, on your facility and seen what you have and just the fact that it's volunteers that do it and keep it running, especially during you know, 2020, everything is hard. Mm -hmm. So thank you. I appreciate that. So give us your 30-second shout-out or motiva motivational statement, call to action. What would you tell the world today? We need $7.60 from a whole lot of people to continue doing this. We've got, I think it's important to celebrate the kids for Christmas. We'll be doing something for that. But the fact that we do something so special on Thanksgiving Day, not every organization can say that. In fact, we would have calls from people saying, you really deliver on Thanksgiving morning. Yes, yes. And we make sure that every client gets that meal and gets that smiling face. And, you know, that's what we tell these people that are delivering to them. They just, you may be the only person that they see. Mm -hmm. Give them a smile. Mm -hmm. Give them a hello, be nice to them, be kind, be safe. And we have volunteers that have been doing this for 21 years because they love doing this and love being part of this. And that's the thing. I have volunteers that have been with me for 10, 15 years. That's how I heard about you all was Allie Cunningham. Yeah. and how much She just was just bragging about how much fun it is to be a part of it. Yeah, and I've got to watch her grow into such an amazing businesswoman. And, you know, that's the cool thing about other options is we get to see that. And we get to, people look forward to doing Thanksgiving and Christmas. Mm -hmm. 
and they'll start asking months, you know, in June and July going, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing? Right. We, we have people we only see at Christmas or Thanksgiving yeah. and they're going, and, and unfortunately they get those tags added to their names. We had one today and I'm just like, oh, Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Mr. Jim? Uh, I would really encourage everybody that can hear this podcast, truly, truly, take the time. Go to our website. You know, it's otheroptionsokc.org. If you don't feel comfortable donating the cash, and I know how some people are with that, and I know it goes through PayPal and it's handled through our site and stuff, and it's secure, then go to Amazon, order products. It's shipped to us. It's easy. It's painless. It's, you know, effortless. Do it. We need the products so that these kits can be completed. And it's not going to cost you that much. It's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. It's it's one of those that it's the simplest thing that you can do and still pay it forward. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that, uh, you know, paying it forward and taking that effort, it's going to warm your heart and know that you're doing something really well that is going to affect not just one person but multiple people. Mm -hmm. Make the effort. It's simple. Mm -hmm. And you'd be amazed at how many people will donate seven dollars and sixty cents mm -hmm. and then write a little thing going i couldn't afford much mm -hmm. and it's like no That's what you did was priceless mm -hmm. seven dollars and sixty cents that will feed that person and give them leftovers for thanksgiving mm -hmm. you've done it you've paid it forward and it's wonderful it's, it's completely okay it is mm -hmm. give give whatever you can because yeah. like you said every penny mm -hmm. it every gets dollar, used it gets used. Yes. That's why I pick up pennies. <laughs> I'm telling you, it makes a difference. It, it does. does. Well, thank you both for joining us today. I really appreciate it. It's very inspiring to me to hear well, what you do. Volunteer one day when we're shopping. And really yes, ma'am. It's, it's fun. And, you know, the clients, they miss being able to get out of the car. But I'm they, sure they, they love talking. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I go and walk at the different cars and get to see people and you know it's it's fun because our clients love coming to other options i love it i love because they so get love you. they get acceptance mm -hmm. well they do and it's and it's the other thing that i will say that's interesting is in the years that i've volunteered is that you have people that think they hate you in the beginning and then turn around and they're like you know love you to death and would you know because they themselves are living in fear of not knowing you know, sure. And that's the other aspect. Mm -hmm. But when they realize that you're a champion for them as mm -hmm. well. And that's the other thing, too, is that I've realized about Mary. Is when I first met Mary, it was one of those things everybody was like, oh, God, you know, they're so afraid of her. But the ironic part is, is it's, I don't want to say it's a facade. because, But it's one of those things that you have to have that outward shell because of who you're working with in the world. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the doctors or the case managers or whatever, that you are that champion for the client. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, if I gotta pound you into the ground to get the result I want, that's what we're gonna have to do. Mm -hmm. Well, you need you need champions. Mm -hmm. We all need champions. Especially for people who feel like they don't have anybody. Yeah. And so. and we deal with that a lot. Mm -hmm. oh, thank you both so much. I want to close with two quotes that you all shared. Mary shared this with me earlier in an email. She said, genuine goodness is something drawn from the heart, the soul of a person. The authentic goodness is shown in actions more than words. I really appreciate that. It's just getting out and, and making a difference. Even if it's with $7.60, that's, right. that's an action. And then, Mr. Jim, you said, sometimes you have to lose your eyes to have a better vision of the world. That's super profound. That's, that's today's. Uh, yes. 
today, really, with COVID, that is that is the best thing. I'm serious. Just stop focusing on your own inner, inner things, mm-hmm. and let's focus. Let's get back out in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both very much. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today for another conversation around good. We at Made Possible love to share good stories. Like I said at the beginning, this is my favorite aspect of my job, other than just getting to learn new stories that I get to hear from new people. So thank you again for joining us. We love it made possible to make good loud, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening in on another conversation around good. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button so we can continue to provide you conversations that are inspirational. The businesses we serve love to give back to their communities with their time, product, and cash. And this is so rewarding for them, but it's not easy. Go to madepossibleby.us to see how we do it.